Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Just for Variety. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's episode, I have two guests. First up is Joel Kinnaman. The actor is here to talk about his new work opposite Uzo Aduba in HBO's In Treatment. And wait till you hear what he says about James Gunn's Suicide Squad sequel. Then later, Lena Bloom. In 2019, she made headlines as the first trans woman of color to star in a movie opening at the Cannes Film Festival. That movie, the drama Port Authority. I talked to Bloom about what happened when she first met Port Authority producer Martin Scorsese. Plus, she opens up about being the first black and Asian trans model to be featured in Sports Illustrated's upcoming swimsuit issue. But before we get to today's guests, let's first take a look inside this week's Just for Variety column. While my column usually features multiple items on various celebs and industry insiders, this week's Just for Variety is focused solely on Right to Try, a new documentary short about casting director Jeffrey Drew's participation in an experimental trial for an HIV vaccine and cure. The Late Late Show with James Corden producer Zebariah Newman directs the 26-minute doc. Newman shot the film himself on a camera that he bought after several production companies passed on his pitch. Newman tells me, they were fascinated by Jeffrey's story, but they didn't really understand it. They didn't think that HIV was a thing anymore, so I bought a camera and a microphone. While Drew can't say he's cured, for the first time in 34 years, he's not only off antiviral medications, but his HIV viral load is undetectable, meaning it's so low, tests can't detect it, and it can't be transmitted through sex. Drew says he participated in the trial not so much for himself, but for younger people with the hope that they will no longer have to worry about HIV. Welcome back. Joe Kinnaman first appeared on this podcast about a year and a half ago to promote the series premiere of Apples for All Mankind. The series aired its second season earlier this year, and he's currently shooting the third. He can now be seen opposite Uzo Aduba in HBO's In Treatment. Later this summer, Kinnaman reprises his role as Rick Flagg in James Gunn's Suicide Squad sequel. I caught up with Kinnaman over Zoom from his home in Los Angeles. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, thanks. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to complain. It's oh, been good. a fucked up year, period. Yeah. <laughs> Bit fucked up, and uh, you know, I don't know. I found a good path through it. I, I feel like, yeah. And, uh, uh, You've you been know, working. The, yeah, I've definitely been working on a lot too. Um, I mean, it's a bitch shooting during uh, mm-hmm. this. I really don't like it, especially in California with the, uh, you know, all the overly rigorous uh, yeah. precautions, and it's just it. It's it's so much gets lost when we don't see each other's faces it's yeah. um and i i didn't expect it to affect me to the degree it did and yeah, yeah. uh and how empty it felt without those little interactions and feeling that you're doing it together and and i think it, it just people hide behind their masks they don't feel I think you have to have some incentive to 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 yeah. make these little investments in each other and have these interactions and it's uh yeah I did I did one show so I I both shot the second season of For All Mankind during yeah. the pandemic and now I'm shooting the third season also you know during with the same uh regulations and then also did uh in treatment 
and and granted in the treatment you know i was you know in and out so i wasn't there every day but right that was hard um because i didn't get to know anyone uh, apart yeah, from the has... cat you know and that was just uzo uh so it's one person <laughs> and a couple of the executives and then you just you don't I had conversations with a lot of people, but I never saw their faces, so I would never recognize them on the street. I know we just, I mean, red carpets are just starting to open. So I've been doing red carpets. But last night I was on a carpet and someone come up and be like, hey, I'm like, they don't recognize me. I take the mask and I'm like, hi. I'm like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. So let's talk Uzo. That yeah. is amazing. She's a walking masterclass, isn't she? <laughs> She's incredible. Tell, tell me about your first day shooting with her. Did you do a lot of rehearsals with her or because of the pandemic you weren't able to? How did it all work out? Um, well, we had a, it was a, you know, extra COVID precaution. Uh, but actually the first day we had a big kissing scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then... And? And and she she was she whispered to me she was like, have you done this before? And uh, and I was like, done done what? She was like, you know. And I was like, oh, you mean kissing? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like on camera. She was like, yeah. I was like, you never done that before. She was like, no. I was like, okay, yeah, I've done it a lot. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Just go with the flow. And. Uh, so that's always, you know, that's one of those ways that us actors get to know each other uh, real close, real quick. Um, the first day of shooting. First day. It's like, hello, let's make out. Why do they, I mean, I guess it's kind of, you know, it does make you close right away. But you think like, why do they do that to you guys? Like, you don't know the person. Well, you shoot, you know, per episode. And on that show, right. you know, you shoot one episode in two days. So wow. if it happens in the episode, then that's you're going to shoot it that day. So um, were you a fan of her work beforehand? Were you uh, orange with the new black man? I ha I actually hadn't seen her. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen that show. So oh, it's yeah, so um, genius. I, that's that's what I hear. No, I, I I got a lot of people like telling me like, oh my god, you got to see it. And, you know, <laughs> we're very excited that I was going to work with her. But uh, but yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it myself. And did you watch all the previous? I mean, this is a show that's, uh, it's not a, I guess, is it technically a reboot? I guess it would be a reboot. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> They're calling it season four. Right. Right. So, right, um, right. And, um, and, you know, he is, a, you know, he's not in the, sh you know, he's sort of a, a character right. in the show. So it's in the same world, you know. Right. Um, but, um, I haven't seen every episode of the show, but you know, mm -hmm. I saw I saw some episodes, and I, I saw them back in the day too. I thought it was very right. very good, and uh, and you know, I grew up with a therapist mom, so you know, this is one of her favorite shows. Your mom so. is a therapist, so do yeah. kids of therapists need therapy? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, I kind of grew up with being wow. in therapy. So you, so you knew the language, you knew, you know, the, the sort of the lay of the land going into this, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely not unfamiliar. I mean, I've, I've seen therapists as well. I haven't really like been in therapy. I've more had, you know, talked to someone while working through an issue or, you know, mm -hmm. for a couple of months, but I haven't been going like 
for years like some people do. I've never gone in analysis, for example, right. or anything like that. But uh, I've always like seen the value of it. And, and I think what I grew up with, you know, my mom, I think you sort of get that language and and the perspective of yourself and being introspective and trying to get to the bottom of things and um, not just accepting your reactionary behavior, but but sort of taking a step back and and trying to look at at oneself and and you know what is behind the the behavior that you're doing, especially when you end up doing the same mistakes over and over again. That's the definition of insanity. <laughs> I know therapy well. <laughs> 30, 30 years? Mm. You know, mm. I'd go for a few years to one person, then I check another person out, then I move, and I check another person out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and now I just call my therapist from time to time saying, hey, I just got to talk about this. So yeah. I go in and out. That's, I mean, it's the best medicine, and I believe it saved my life. So yeah, I'm all for it. And it's, I mean, this yeah. show is coming back. I mean, it does feel like mental health is getting attention like never before. Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, I think definitely the stigma around it has been lifted in the States. I wasn't really aware that it was that big of a stigma. Just, I guess, because of how I grew up, I always thought it was something that was sort of normal and, and mm. that should be part of people's everyday life. But but, you know, that's really not the case. I think uh, people think that you got to be, you know, crazy or going through a, a, a breakdown uh, of some sort right. to have go through therapy, but not understanding that it's it's just something that you can do to just work through your problems and, you know, help you look at yourself and, and just help remain happy in life if you're lucky and find a good one. So why should people during this time and mental health is such an issue. Do they want to watch a show about people working through their own mental health issues? Is it an escape? Well, I, th I think it's both an escape, but it, it could also be a comfort to, to, you know, to understand that you're not alone. You, the other people, you know, think the same way or struggle with the same thing or still dealing with old traumas or uh, still being affected by Mm -hmm. things that happen in their childhood and and understanding that it, it doesn't have to be a permanent state it's something that right. you can work your way through and, and you can move on from if you deal with it in the right way and and therapy can be one of those ways to to deal with it and and then i think it, it's also it just cuts to the chase you know because you're there to deal with the problem so you're not beating around the bush you, you get to yeah. it and um so that also makes for good drama and um, and I think it's it, if if you if you're interested in human drama, it, it'll satisfy you. And of course, we don't want to give too much away, but tell us how you figure into Uzo. She plays Brooke into Brooke's world, her life. So the the show still has the same concept as it had in its original uh, iteration or in the the, the original remake. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh that you know it, it's uh several storylines and each storyline is is a patient in session and and um you know and they keep coming back and working through and then you also have the therapist storyline and yeah. sort of her personal life and that's where i come in i play the 
the on and off boyfriend of Brooke of 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just can't seem to commit to or break up with each other. And um, and over the course of the season, they have a um, a very interesting arc to their relationship. I mean, if the first episode, you know, the first scene you have with her is you're making out, I would hope we get interesting. So what was it like working with Uzo? Tell me about working with her. No, it was it was great. I mean, it, um, I think that you know, considering the 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 level of that dialogue, and mm-hmm. you know, it's not just easy. <laughs> you know, it's complicated stuff, right? And uh, and sophisticated, it's sophisticated dialogue that really you need to think about it, you need to work through it, you need to find the rhythm of it. You know, it's not just you're not just feeding it into the hard drive. You got to work work it. And we're shooting two episodes, uh, two days per episode, and each each episode is about twenty five pages. So she's you know she's doing like 10, 10 to fifteen pages a day. Um, so. So she's constantly just reading lines and, you know, we, we had some time to hang out and, and talk, you know, there were some brief moments, but, but basically like 80% of the times, as soon as they say cut, then, you know, she's got an earpiece and she has her assistant that's sitting behind and they start reading lines for, you know, what they're doing two days later, you know? So, so, I mean, I think that's, it's one of the more demanding uh, jobs that you could have in, um, in Hollywood, in terms of, uh, uh, of learning lines and, and all that, she's just very, very good. You know, very, yeah. very good. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it was fun. We could really play with it. We could play. Yeah. You know, it, it it it's always that when you when you play with people on a certain level, it just becomes easier. You know, mm. you you know that if you go right, they're gonna they're gonna see it. They're gonna follow it. Right. Uh, when they go, you know, it, it's it's like a dance partner. It's the better the dance partner you have, the easier it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's on the highest level. So, you know, we, we had a, we had a lot of fun. It was some tricky mm-hmm. scenes, uh, um, and, um, and some, some really emotionally demanding stuff. And, and also like some technical, you know, because we're drinking and, mm-hmm. uh, and she's, you know, getting drunk and, <laughs> uh, she's very, very convincing, uh, <laughs> playing drunk you know that's not a, it's not easy it's very that's easy, not easy. and i think it's easier to you know play it down and she really like went for it you know drunk and and it was good so i think the next i think the next project for the two of you is who's afraid of virginia wolf right <laughs> hey, not a bad idea <laughs> not a bad idea and then you also shot the second season for all mankind during the pandemic Good. And now I'm shooting the third season. Third season. Has it, yeah. from the second to the third, has it gotten a little easier in terms of protocols or is it sort of the same, same rules? That's the silliness. Everyone's, you know, wearing masks outdoors and mm-hmm. like, come on. Now. We know this people, but you know, it's a slow moving <laughs> train. Um, so, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, mid June when uh, we'll we'll get to relax some of it. But you know, we'll see. We'll so see. when we when we first spoke, you it was just I think you were headed into the premiere of the show that night. Actually, 
knowing that. Oh, you, that's right. Because you got right. into your outfit there. That is right. That is right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I remember. I was putting on that pink, uh, pink tux. Yes. And this seems like how long ago? And it wasn't that long ago. That feels like an eternity ago. Right. It's yeah. just it's like the complete shift in the world. And wow. And you told me about how uncomfortable those spacesuits were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were. But you, didn't, you didn't have to wear them as often. No. Nope. Second nope. season. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't have to wear them at all, actually. Right. So I, was, uh, I was very happy about that. Um, you know, it, I, it, it's it's all fun and games. You know, it's not that it's not that big of a deal. But they they're definitely not comfortable. But um, I'm I'm not complaining. <laughs> and third season, you're jumping ahead into the 1990s. Yeah. So another 10 years. Wow. In so it means uh, another hour and a half in makeup and. Uh, age really starts to become part of the performance and um yeah the, the show the show is really taking off so it's it's very um you know the first season kind of came out a little bit in a vacuum it felt like you know, we were mm -hmm. really stoked about it and thought the writing was excellent we were really proud of the pudding but you know it was part of the first batch of shows that came out right. on apple tv plus and and felt like a little bit got lost in the shuffle there and uh, and then we were shooting the second season and we felt that wow this is you know we felt like we were hitting our stride and that the show was you know really finding itself and elevating mm -hmm. and it so it was a really good feeling when also the audience and critics sort of uh, found the show and and, right. and it became this sort of groundswell around it and and i i feel like now in the third season mm -hmm. the the writing they're taking everything to the next level the, the pace is increasing the scale is getting bigger and you cut out a little bit oh. I think your, your... my airpods died yeah, AirPods died. Um, Can you hear me now? Yep. Uh, okay, um, wait, talk again. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Um, okay, so uh, it's amazing, but you know, we're just talking about like it feels like this show premiered so long ago, and like you said, it was one of Apple's first TV shows. But now it seems like what that there was a beginning like it just seems like it's old hat now like of course i know i know uh, has it been two years a year and a half it has to be probably a year and a is it a year, year and a half, half even it was november 19 right yeah see i'm so messed up with i don't know what yeah, so yeah. yeah a year and a half year and a half which wasn't that too long ago before the shutdown, which is just I know crazy. But now it yeah. just seems like I would never even think of like it was almost a novelty having you here to talk about oh a TV on Apple. <laughs> I know. You know? Yeah. And now it's just um so so tell me about the aging that you do in the 1990s. Are they like wrinkling your face? Are you white getting gray hair? How are they doing it? Yep, it's um, it's pretty significant. I mean, we get it. They got it down now to like an hour and a half. Uh, at first, it was like two and a half hours. Um, and, uh, you know, it's prosthetics and. 
Yeah, I mean, I got my whole face full of prosthetics and gray hair and. Have you ever gone off? Have you ever gone off set? And sort of just walk around and see if people think you're really this old dude. No, but I, I, it's funny because like no one in the crew has has. I mean that I think in their mind that's how I look, you know, because <laughs> they don't see me until I get in and I'm. And right. it's funny. It was like one. It was a younger actor that was on the show, and uh, you know, I don't think she she was kind of there, and and I don't I, don't, I didn't get the feeling that she, she didn't know who I was, and and she she hadn't watched the show and. And I think we were, we ended up talking about something, and and I think that I also had like an opinion about something that was you know, not her sort of Gen Z opinion about it, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 then I could tell that she was like, well, you know, on the Instagram, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she. You know, on the social media apps, and I was like, "Oh, what are they?" You say the, the appetizer. What is it you speak of? Then start pretending like, "What did you say? I can't hear you." Yeah, I can't hear you. And then she's like, "There's some old guy who keeps following me around on the set. It's really yeah. weird." Yeah. Um, Suicide Squad. We're finally going to get to see number two. Yeah, uh, yeah, we saw it a couple of days ago. Yeah, I was just gonna ask you, have you seen it? Yeah, it's insane. It, like, it's by far James Gunn's best movie. Um, why do you say that? It 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 just takes it to another level. Um, it, it's it's an insane film. It's <laughs> yeah, it it it's it, it was. At the same time, it was very much the movie that I thought it was going to be because mm-hmm. the vision was so clear from the beginning and the script was, you know, and, and while we were shooting it, it was so clear what we were doing. Of course, we were adding a bunch of layers and stuff while we were shooting it. Um, but it's so entertaining. I'm, of course, you know, hopelessly biased, but I found it to be the mo- one of the most entertaining films I've ever seen. It's like from A to Z that there's... It's so well paced. It has such a drive and, and and such comedic timing. It's funny, like along the way, the whole time, effortlessly. But then I think what really surprised me was, I mean, what surprised me or what what I was struck by was how well it flowed mm-hmm. and how seamlessly it flowed, but also how. He was able to create these little bubbles, these little moments of emotional depth and visual and emotional poetry. Mm-hmm. And um, and I felt like it really transcended the genre and it became something bigger. And um, and then it's also very silly. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, ridiculous in many ways and super violent. Uh, just, you know, gory almost at times. And it's, you know, like shocking moments, um, but that are very comedic, you know? Mm. You just have this, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, it's completely normal seeing this giant shark just standing gnawing on a person's head, you know? Uh, <laughs> and some other people just having a conversation. Next. You know, that that uh, after, when you're, when you're, uh, one hour and 50 minutes into Suicide Squad, that's going to feel completely normal. 
Um, are we gonna it's feel so like, irreverent? Are we gonna feel exhausted at the end? I think energized. I really do. Okay. It has such an energy to it, and and I think that I was actually really moved by the thought while I was watching it. I was really thinking like like this is the kind of movie that people are dying to see in the theaters. You know, it's yeah. gonna be loud in those movie theaters, and it's exactly the kind of communal collective experience that I think people are really craving and and you know that are at the core of why I wanted to do this for a living you know to be able mm -hmm. to be part of those kind of experiences and, and to give that to people and and I think now when people have been cooped up and robbed of, of the communal experiences for for over a year like this is it I think it, I think the Suicide Squad is going to be the first real you know cinematic uh event that, that that people are gonna have again and um yeah I, I i can't wait for people to see it like it's good and i really think that people are gonna see it many times i think i think you're gonna see it many times mm. it sounds like my kind of movie yeah it's real i just i mean every time you just giggle like that like, <laughs> i know you're thinking about something in the movie <laughs> and i'm like what is he what no don't tell yeah. me no tell me um yeah because I listen, I know Suicide Squad one had you know critics weren't the most thrilled about it. I loved it. People think I'm nuts. People are like you're crazy. They're like it had um, great characters, you know. It yeah, it had great characters. I love that. Just I thought the the first forty minutes of the film was fucking great. Um, yeah. And then and then it was there was a conflicting visions and and yeah. it, and it just didn't end up uh, being what we all hoped that uh, it, it was. You know, it didn't feel like the movie that we hoped we were going to make. Right. And um, this is something very different. Just it just it's not a why because it's not it's not a sequel. But it, it is. You, you're going to you're going to when you watch it, you know, it's not it's not a it's not a standalone thing because, you know, you have characters uh, right. from the first film and we are somewhat, you know, but I, I didn't artistically i wasn't really bound I, i'm almost creating a new character you know there, there's right. definitely tendencies but it right. it's just a different universe it it it's a james gunn universe and that's a wild <laughs> it's a very uh hilarious and depraved place so does that mean you're signed on for number three the, the, this this baby's going <laughs> how many you signed on for um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I can't. I want to ask you, like, what's your favorite scene? I, but I don't want to know anything either. And not that you would tell me, but I want to know. By the way, your dog looks like a wolf. Your dog keeps <laughs> walking. <laughs> it's a, a wolf. Miss hyena. Zoe. She's huge. Oh, he's not that big. No? This is oh, the, maybe it's just the. Uh... Oh, wow. Oh, she's not that huge. Her paws are huge. Wow. What kind of is she a mud or is she? Absolute mud. She's great. She's a little um, zombie. How old is she? <laughs> how old is she? Uh, about a year and a half. Oh, so she's a newbie. Yeah, we actually got her uh, right after the first lockdown. Was she like a pandemic baby? Pandemic like, puppy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we almost we have two little ones and we almost got a third. Mm. But I was like, I just feel bad for these 
dogs when I really go back to the office and my husband is a hairstylist, so he's in a salon, the separation anxiety is going to be off oh, the yeah. charts. Yeah. Because they're literally by my side every day. I know. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think we have such a good, like, I mean, we've been with her, you know, the whole time. Right. You, know, you just, uh, yeah, it's special bond. Well, this is awesome. Thank you. Uh, I mean, talk about a range in treatment for all my suicides. But that's the, yeah. that's, that's what you love about it, you know? Yeah. No, I try, like, that's, I'm trying to live in these different universes and, and, uh -huh. uh, and, and I, you know, I wanted, I really, I, I, you know, I come from sort of art house, cinema, yeah. theater, that drama world, but I really enjoy doing action as well. And, um, so I tried to sort of stand with a foot in each camp, you know, I, I want to do, I want to do it all. What about a rom-com? There's one on the, there's one that's being considered right now, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the genres I haven't done. So yeah. Is it something, it. is it something that your team really has to go out to people and say, by the way, he wants to do rom-com, he can do rom-com. Or have no, they come to you? Sort of in, incoming. I, I think after working with James Gunn, I also really got an appetite to do more comedy or things oh, that have great. more more comedy in them. That's great. So. Awesome. Well, Joel, it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Next pleasure. next time we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it in person. In person again, yeah, for sure. That was Joel Kinnaman. Coming up next, Port Authority star Lena Bloom. But first, another look inside Variety's new Pride issue. On June 5th, public officials, activists, and celebrities will converge on San Vicente Boulevard next to West Hollywood Park for the groundbreaking for Stories, the AIDS Monument, a 7,000-square-foot art installation honoring those who have died of AIDS or are living with HIV. The monument is set to open in late 2022. An audio component, Hear Our Stories, accessed through the installation's website, will include readings from the AIDS Memorial, an Instagram account about people who died of AIDS. Variety has the exclusive first look at the celebrity participants and the people they will be reading about. Poe's star Billy Porter provides a tribute to Sylvester, the late disco pioneer who died of AIDS at age 41 in 1988. MTV reality star and HIV AIDS educator Pedro Zamora will be remembered by Wilson Cruz. Zamora, who appeared on The Real World, San Francisco, was only 22 when he died in 1994. Richard Gere will talk about his late friend, legendary fashion and portrait photographer Herb Ritz, who was 50 when he passed in 2002. For more LGBTQ stories from in and around the entertainment industry, check out Variety's new Pride issue or head over to Variety.com. In 2019, Lena Blue made history as the first trans actress of color to lead a film at Cannes. The movie, Port Authority, is now in theaters and available on demand. Bloom stars as a house mother in New York City's ballroom scene who finds love with a young man who is headed to New York City to escape his troubled past. Bloom also makes history this summer as the first black Asian trans woman to appear in Sports Illustrated's swimsuit issue. We talked from Bloom's home in New York City. Hi. Going good. How are you? Oh my God, it's been so long. I mean, the last time I saw you was at Cam. I know that was such a good party, by the way. 
That was so long ago, though. Now it was so long ago. It was in 2019. I know. I keep saying, "Oh, it was a year ago," and I'm like, "No, it wasn't. It was two years ago." Yeah, that was so crazy. Things were so different at that time, and we went through a pandemic. And look where we're at. We're right, like literally, right where we left off at each other. Like That's literally right. talking about the film. Yes, which, as you know, I'm a huge fan of the film. It's so amazing. I watched it again last night with my husband because he hadn't seen it yet. And it literally, he kept saying, oh my gosh, she's so good. She's so gorgeous. Who is she? I'm like, that's who I'm interviewing tomorrow. Yo, when, when I did that red carpet, I was so excited to talk to you Aww. because you literally have talking, like you literally interviewed like the most amazing people in the whole world. And I was just so lucky to just be in that moment. And to just bring in that moment and to just, wow, it was just so powerful. That red carpet was so crazy. That dress was so crazy. It was a moment. And how are you feeling now? How are you feeling the movie? Finally, everyone's going to see it. How are you feeling? Honestly, I just, like I said, I just feel like it left off where it's, you know, it's picking up where it left off, you know, like mm -hmm. 2019, it was on a film festival tour. Like I was getting dates to go out to like talk about this film and a pandemic's happen and we just stopped and like literally like a few weeks ago we we're announcing like everything's opening up pride is here there's so many other amazing things on the table so it's just a real moment to just like surrender to the way that the world is working and like the fact that this film in the process is getting a second chance for the world to see and not just see but just in america where we desperately need movies like this to really just talk about things like this movie is a conversation starter and um i, I want to get back to like the, the conversation when, when did you decide you wanted to be an actor when did you want to act i always since a child you know watching like home alone you know, growing mm -hmm. up, seeing, you know, the Disney shows and seeing all so many sister, sister, like seeing so many beautiful people that look like me that have the same like languages and tenacity and, you know, move like me. And, you know, you read their bios and they have the similar backgrounds. And, you know, I just, I always wanted to have that moment, but I just, I never knew like being a dancer, you, I was a dancer first. So like in that world, it's just like, they don't give opportunities to people of color. They don't give opportunities to gay, to, to openly queer people. They don't give opportunities to trans people. They still don't give opportunities to trans people. So I just, I thought that the idea of me having those moments were so far and so long away that I was not born in the time to do it. So like, I just kept dreaming. And like one day I just, I start seeing like Laverne Cox and I start seeing the other girls and I'm like, are we really having this moment? Like I got to go get mine. So mm. um, at the time I was, I wasn't out the closet. And then I came out the closet about my identity and my career just literally took off. And like, now there's movies being made for me to tell. And it's my responsibility to tell those stories. So um, I just always knew that I wanted to do it and I get a chance to actually do it. Before you came out about your identity, were you scared that if you did, that could be the end of your career? Absolutely. I was terrified. I was literally, to be trans and be a person of color and to be Asian, you have to constantly protect yourself. You have to constantly protect 
your voice because people hear you and they want to attack you. They see how you move. They see your magic. They want to hurt you. And I had to protect those nuances about my identity. And I knew the world was not ready for my, for me to say, Hey, I'm here too. And I just had to just savor those moments and just wait for the right time to happen. And after a while, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just had to break free and I had to like, not just break free, but I have to also tell the stories of the people that are still here that we need to remind ourselves that they're here, they're inspiring, they're inspirational. And um, I'm gonna speak up for them. I'm gonna speak up for Mm -hmm. this moment. I need to do this, it's my responsibility. And you're in a movie that's produced by some guy, what's his name, Marty, Marty, Marty Scorsese. (laughs) He's amazing. Was he attached to the film right away? Did he come later on? Tell me about learning about Martin Scorsese's role in the film. When I first found out about the film, I did not know he was attached. And when I got the okay that I got got the film, they told me about it. And I was just immediately like, I grew up watching his movies. I grew up watching Taxi Driver. It was one of my dad's favorite movies that I watched as a child. It was one of the reasons why I moved to New York City. You know, here's a man in Taxi Driver that's dealing with his masculinity and the femininities of like trying to figure out who his character is and who he is as a person in this world of politics and, you know, love and like lust and like the city. So I just, it was like a no brainer for me. Like he's most, a lot of his stories deal with like, men and women trying to figure out who they are and their their emotions of masculine and feminine and here's a story that's talking about love about masculine and feminine so it was just a no-brainer and I just I one day I remember wake like picking up my phone and saw that he followed me on Instagram and I was just like whoa that's crazy (laughs) and I just I then I met him and then it was just kind of like he was like, yeah, we need to have this conversation. These are the stories that I want to tell. These are the stories that I have to like give my name to and like acknowledge the fact that we're in this world that is we're changing. And um, this story really um, speaks to me in a lot of ways that um, as why I started film, film and t- film and, and making movies. And I was just like, thank you for having this moment. He was like, yeah, like I approve your self tape, your, your tape, I, I approve you being part of this moment. And I'm like, you saw me, you saw me, you saw the project. He's like, yeah, I saw it. Like, it was just, it was amazing. Like, I was just like, wow, someone really important that knows a lot of important people recognizes me, acknowledges me. And they so proud that he made the decisions to do what he did to make this film happen. And now you're also a part of Pose. You're part of the Pose family. Yeah, Pose is amazing. I started taping Pose back in March and right around the time the pandemic started. Yeah. We shot like one episode and then we started up again this year. So I'm so happy to be a part of that, even though it's their last season. So, yeah. What what do you think uh, Pose has done for not only the trans community, but specifically trans actors and trans people behind the camera? What is the legacy of Pose when it comes to that? I mean, the legacy is the same legacy of like Paris is burning, same legacy as legendary, same legacy as poor authorities. It's our responsibility um, to, to, to show the world our rich history and know that we are here and know that our voices matter. And it's a responsibility to like our identity to show people how to tell our stories. And I think having someone like Janet Mock, who is the director and also writing, being the face of that and also hiring talent from our communities to tell the stories, I think that's a huge, like, 
that's a huge moment for just like humanity to have this moment. Like we are really, um, we're really in a very sensitive time in history where um, trans bodies, especially black trans bodies are really being explored on so many different levels of good and bad. And we, we are allowed to like fix the good and the bad and like bring something like pose like court authorities out of that, 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 that those, those, those blessings that was bestowed upon us for so many years from our past ancestors that also fought for us to be here. What goes through your mind when you look at, you know, Port Authority? I mean, your Martin Scorsese story is just blowing my mind right now, by the way, um, and Pose, but at the same time, we're seeing so much anti-trans legislation being put forward. Um, you know, for lack of a better term, the trans community is becoming like the scapegoat for every problem. Um, you know, and that's what the far right is doing. What goes through your mind when you see that at the same time having all this huge success mm. and visibility like never before? I think it's just, it's, it's a combination of like, it's, it's just a lot of people that are afraid of things changing and, you know, um, not just changing, but it's, it's evolving, not just um, queer bodies, but it's evolving a lot of people in this world, the, the climate alone is changing because people are finding this newfound love for themselves that they, they, they can't get from anything else. They have to figure it out for themselves. And that's one thing that queer bodies know about is just finding the truth in us, finding what's inside us to navigate ourselves out in society. I mean, the system really never worked for me from the jump. You know what I mean? Like mm. education, medical resources with jobs, resources with like joining any type of establishment and in society, any club. I was never a part of those systems in those rooms or in those rooms. So I, I, I kind of navigated myself without knowing, with knowing that and still coming up on top. So I think we can't really rely on the government to do anything because it's never worked for us in the first place. We have to just keep on building communities and starting programs that are lifting our communities without the government's having their inputs or and being involved into anything and we can't do it and we're a testament of it being done you know we we're we, we are considered to be bottom at the food chain but we have literally went all the way to the top and the world is a much better place knowing that there's trans bodies and queer bodies out in the world that are fucking bring happiness to everyone sports illustrated I am not one to look at that swimsuit issue. Obviously, I always <laughs> wish that they would do a boy's version, but hello, tell me about the phone call. You get a call from your manager, your agent, I don't know who, who says, guess what, Lena? <laughs> I want you for the swimsuit issue. Yeah, my agent, Josh um, at CAA, he called me over and he was like, I was actually on set for another job. He called me up and he was like, girl, I know you only been signed for a few months. We've been trying our best to like get you work. The world is just is just not ready. But you know who is Sports Illustrated? You're gonna be in Sports Illustrated. You're gonna be a rookie of 2021. And I completely like dropped everything I was doing. I like walked outside. I like took a walk and I was pacing. I was hyper -abilitating. I was like pulling my hair out. I was like are we really about to have this moment? Is this world really about to have this conversation on this type of magazine? Like. It's sports, you know what I mean? Like mm. not just swimsuit, but it's, we're talking about sports and this is how things are now being intersectional with fashion and gender and sexuality and now sports. Like 
it's so much going on in sports alone with gender identity and like trans women trying to like be in sports, but to have a trans woman as a symbol of beauty and, and, and like swimsuits on a beach in comparison to other icons like Tyra Banks and Giselle and like Heidi Klum, like it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's a testament of like what's happening right now in the world and what's going to happen in the future. And I think it's just a powerful time right now. And I'm so happy that Sports Illustrated just wanted to have the nerve to really say, we about to have this moment. And if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. It wasn't even part of your dreamscape to be in the swimsuit issue. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I wanted to do amazing things. I knew that there was jobs that models really, as a model, there's certain jobs that really take your career to the next level. And like, there was literally no trans models doing those things, saying like, I'm going to go after this type of brand. I want to be affiliated with this type of brand. I was telling my agents, like, I need to get castings to this type of stuff. I wasn't just, I wanted to go after the big. And as you, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I had a, a campaign uh, about becoming a Victoria's Secret model. And they said no to me, you know, that was me mm -hmm. saying, I want to be a part of that brand. And them saying no, and Sports Illustrated was the brand that said yes to me before I even was given the opportunity to have that conversation. They was like, yeah, we want you. We, we, we need to have this moment. This is where our brand is at. This is the conversations we're talking about. And this is what we want to do. That's, that's incredible. That's just, and I know I say this, I've probably said this to you on the red carpet I can, but you know, your success, your visibility is going to save lives. <sighs> That is why it's so important. That's why I have to go after my dreams. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of things inside me being a person of color, being Asian, being trans, being a woman. You know, we are all the big, we are all right now in the world being hurt, being pained, mm. being killed, being murdered. And I represent all those things. Yes. So I yes. have to, I have to have moments like this. I have to not give up on myself, you know, because the world is giving up on me in so many ways, but I can't give up on myself. I have to attach myself to things and to ideas that are about changing the world by giving life back into people. And every job I do, you will see a little piece of that. You will feel those moments. And, mm. um, it's really important to have that because we desperately need it. With all the success that you're having, with all the success that so many trans people are having in Hollywood right now, do you feel safer walking down the street these days or is it more dangerous considering all the hate crimes that are taking place? It depends on what streets, you know, mm -hmm. I, 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 I know what cobblestones not to step on, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Um, I know that there's still a lot of work to be done and I can't just keep, I just can't go blow horning, you know, my music everywhere else. I have to be very conscious of the spaces that are set up and understand why they're set up and how I can be a part of them just letting down a little bit to have those conversations. So I'm honestly, I'm, I'm not going to give up myself and I know I deserve to be seen and heard and I'm just going to work hard to do it so people can see that it's just not given to me. You know, I think right now we're in a time where social media allows people to like, just 
just have things faster. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've been paying my dues for so long and I don't mm-hmm. want things just given to me because I'm just beautiful. I want to have messaging about it. I want to have purpose over the popularity. I want to have purpose platforms. I want to work with brands that have purpose, that have purpose messaging. You know, everything I attach myself to, it has to be about the collective of us all and how we can grow together in harmony. And if it's not about that, then it doesn't make sense to me. That's just honestly mm. what it comes down to. Like Port Authorities is a love story about two people from different parts of the world coming together that is pure, that is just honest about just connecting with each other. Yes. And there, and every project pose, it's another project, you know, Sports Illustrated. These are brands and these are moments for me to say, it's time to change the system. It's time to do it. And it's time to do it the right way. And these brands wanted to do it that way. And I just, I commend them for having these moments to tell these stories and to mm-hmm. be a part of this bigger picture. And I just hope that the world is better, a better place um, than the world that I was born into. And then my last question for you is you, you have a film at Tribeca asking for it. Yes. Is it a, is, is it a, is it, total thriller drama con- like dramedy like tell me what it is because the photo i i saw the one photo with everyone with the mask on is genius oh my god yes it is it is a all women's like major cast we have yeah kiersey clemens we have um gabby Sube. we have rada we have so many amazing people, Vanessa Hutchison, yeah. just have like, it's it's a movie about us fighting back. It's a movie about us not giving up on ourselves. It's about us coming together as women and speaking up for ourselves and demanding what we deserve. Um, this movie is going to be amazing. I shot this film in Oklahoma in 2019, moments, just a few months after the Cannes Festival. And wow. to have this be my second film and to be amongst so many amazing people and have amazing messaging, I just want to, con- like, like I said, I just want to do more projects like this. My character, her name is Jet. She is this gunslinger. She has a real, <laughs> she can shoot a really good gun. And I like that because trans women are usually the ones being killed and shot at. So this mm. is a moment for me to put a gun in my hand and show people how, how we fight back. Wow. Is it, is it a, is it a, you know, a revenge movie? Is it, are the women a group of vigilantes? How would you describe it? I guess you would say it's a combination of that. It's a combination Mm -hmm. of like women just banding together to just say, I'm not going to be raped. I'm not going to be sexualized. I'm not going to be ostracized. I'm not going to be taken for granted. I'm going to stand up and fight back. And it's, 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 I don't, it doesn't have to be, it just has to be about like, us just knowing we deserve better and want better and we're not gonna let anyone treat us any other way than what we deserve like i think we need that like women need that we need we desperately need to see women in positions of power that are saying enough is enough and like um just it's a powerful time to be in to do work like this so were you a vanessa hutchins fan during the high school musical days Honestly, to tell you the truth, I wasn't. I was more so in love with her because she was a Filipina woman, and there's there's not that many Filipina women in Hollywood at all. So I just I rooted her for just her. Just she's an amazing person. She's super kind. She has an amazing voice. She's extremely talented. She's extremely hardworking, and she was actually my first friend on set of the film. 
That was Lena Bloom. Thanks for listening to this week's Just for Variety. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all the latest in Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. See you soon. Thank you.